Good day to you. Good day to you. <laughs> and good morrow as well. <laughs> and good yesteryear. <laughs> so good. My-, <laughs> <laughs> My name is Aubrey Byer. And I'm Shaylin Smith. And you're listening to The, the Resolute. Resolute. So where we record, which is up in Shaylin's <laughs> attic, there's this is an old house. And there's a staircase that comes up, turns, and goes up again. And the second staircase is just like a quarter inch just taller. a little taller. Just a little bit. I'm going to die if we measure it and it's not taller. But That'd I trip on the first step every single time. <laughs> Every time. I thought I thought we lost you today. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> you turn around and I'm just no longer behind you. And I'm scrolled out. slithered the all the way down. <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, man. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, well, side note, I wanted to give a shout out to, this is going back to episode one. This won't take me too long, I promise. But uh, one of the things that you and I weren't totally sure of is tanning procedures Mm -hmm. and what they would use to tan hides with and you know I had explained my experience where my dad had bought some sort of kit but I wanted to give a shout out to Kendall and her brothers Ray J, Jacob and Finn and they had a lot more knowledge on that and they explained that you actually it's kind of gross but you (sighs) use the animal's brains to tan the hides Oh, and there's (laughs) must be some sort of like, oils or i don't yeah. know what's in there but it that it works perfectly and it keeps the hide soft that's really fascinating i know so now we know yeah now we know now we know thank you guys for that um let me ask you a question all right have you ever been on a ship of any sort uh i've been on a ferry boat and okay. i've been on a fishing vessel Ooh, like out deep ocean not out just when it was docked in the marina so it was like real rocky you know but i laid on the hallway floor and it was like back and like, forth ooh. and do you get uh like boat sickness or motion um sickness? i didn't used to but okay. this most recent time we actually just went to victoria via ferry um what was this like three weeks ago maybe mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, that was pretty rough. <laughs> that was rough. It was the waters in that channel can get choppy. Yeah, yeah. I've experienced that before too, yeah. and I get very ill. Uh, usually, it hasn't been a problem, Ugh. but it was very windy. And then on the way back, there was a lot of like big cargo ships or something there. Oh, like and so we wakes. had to we had to like go around them because we're oh. a smaller boat instead of going like the straight shot and yeah. so it took a lot longer and i think maybe because of that it also was a lot more choppy or so it was just it was a really rough go and Ooh. i went out <laughs> to the the bow because like that's the fun part to go look at the front part and yeah you could see the olympics which oh, you pretty. never get to view like that it was yeah. so beautiful but it was so windy that i was like almost blowing away in the wind like, <laughs> like i'm like, oh, when the- <laughs> <laughs> like holding on to the railing but yeah. when, like the tears are streaming yeah. out the side of your eye <laughs> your hair is like straight back you know like it looks like you're bald from the front like yeah it was intense but... oh my god so those kinds of ships yes <laughs> i've been on the same sort of i think that's really the only time I've been on 
some sort of ship of some sort is like a ferry. Yeah. I've never been on a cruise or anything larger than a ferry. And I don't get motion sickness now, but I used to get really seasick and they would give me that wristband. Oh yeah. That has the little the like plastic or whatever. Weight or, yeah. yeah. And that would help. Okay. But ships are kind of freaky, yeah. you know? Yeah. And I don't know if you've I'm sure you've heard in the news the, yeah. of that little Reaping personal stink. submarine <laughs> yeah that went down and imploded yeah which is my nightmare i'll never go in anything like I that i'll never also i will never do that no. you couldn't pay me two hundred and fifty thousand yes. dollars to go down let alone you giving up that money no. to, yeah i agree i wouldn't do it but i understand the intrigue yeah you know yeah absolutely for a braver see what's soul down there. <laughs> yeah, yeah absolutely a much braver soul and, you know, the Titanic itself has just really captivated the minds of people for over a century now, which mm-hmm. is wild to think about. Mm-hmm. It actually sunk on my husband's birthday. Oh, really? But not like not. He's not that old. He's not that old. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, today's story... Just because the Titanic's back in the news, and I know everyone's fascinated by it, is a Titanic survivor. Oh, mm-hmm. interesting. Okay. So his experience is not um, in itself very extraordinary in the sense that, you know, he didn't have to really fight to overcome something. Mm-hmm. But it's just such an incredible story to begin with. Right. That this unsinkable ship would meet its demise the way that it did right and so it's still just worth the telling for sure and just the grandeur of the titanic itself well it's gonna say well can i tell you one tidbit that i I found out recently about titanic yeah would that be okay yes please um i found out so i guess i don't know if it just wasn't as common to have like the women and children first you know save Mm -hmm. the women and children kind of a thing but um I guess on the Titanic, most of the survivors were women and children. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the whole, like, the way that it, like, went down of, like, tipping up into the air and then cracking in half, they just thought it was, like, a mass hysteria amongst all the women. <laughs> because traditionally, <laughs> when a boat sinks, it just bloop, 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 goes yeah. right under the water. Yeah. Not all that drama, you know? Yeah. And so they just thought it was, like, huge mass hysteria. And it wasn't until they actually found the wreckage that they were like, oh, wow, it's actually snapped in half. And they just thought all these women were just off the rock. (laughs) So did they just think it was, like, the sound was people shouting? No, they just thought they all were experienced a mass delusion. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) Because they're all women. So they obviously don't know what they're talking about. Wow. Yeah. That's really interesting. Isn't that fascinating? (laughs) I also have no sources for that, but no, so but that, here's a fun story. Maybe it's fake, but <laughs> hey, they also thought we were witches at one point. Exactly. So, you know, yeah, all those, all those ladies who survived and we were witches because they lived to tell the tale. So yeah, they must have been. They were witches. Bring it. <laughs> anyway, so that's my that little fun That is really fact. fascinating. I thought that was pretty good. So have you seen the movie Titanic? Oh, of course. A million times. I watched <laughs> so it probably good. when I was way too young. I remember being like, seven or eight. Oh my gosh <laughs> at my friend's house and you remember the vhs box set? oh yeah it was like Be kind, three, please rewind like two or three different vhs tapes oh yeah because it was you, such a long like movie one two yeah. and three yeah oh, and my yeah gosh. so we had the two the two dvd or not dvd 
the two VHS yeah. version. Yeah. There was two in there. And I saw the movie. Okay, first of all, I was in love with Leonardo DiCaprio okay, yeah. at the time. <laughs> and I was 13 when the movie came out. Okay. And I saw it 13 times in the theater. <laughs> I don't know where that money came from. That's great. To go see it 13 times, but I had an entire notebook. It's kind of it's very creepy now that I'm saying it out loud, but dedicated to Leo and the and the Titanic, and I had all my movie stubs in there, all 13 of them. That is fantastic. So, I love it. But also back then there wasn't it was harder to like I loved the imagery. Yeah. So much of the imagery of it was such a beautiful ship and so to be to relive yeah seeing it yeah it, it felt like i was seeing it in real life so that yeah. was part of it it wasn't just leo okay yeah. <laughs> and leo if you're listening i'm, I'm over you so just want you to know <laughs> <laughs> all right so without further ado this is the story of lawrence beasley and i took all of the story from the book that he wrote and it's called the loss of the SS Titanic. And other than, um, there's just information about the book or sorry, there's information about the Titanic, um, and what's on each deck and that I use different sources for, but the rest of this is just his first hand account of everything that went down. So it's not going to have all the information because it's, you know, his retelling and his side of the story. Yeah. But, um, all right, let's get started. So Lawrence Beasley leaned over the railing to peer over the edge at the hundreds of people standing dockside. Most of the gangways had been retracted, and a hush fell over the gathered crowd. The massive passenger liner was ready to depart. A family rushed up, um, a family rushed up the last extended gangway with their children slung over their shoulders. A petty officer guarding the end of the gangway firmly refused to let them on board. Arguing, the family tried to explain why they were late and that they had paid for passage. Resolute, the petty officer waved them back as the final gangway was withdrawn. The ship was ready to sail, and Lawrence Beasley felt a flutter of excitement at being on board the maiden voyage of the largest, most luxurious ship in the world, the Titanic. I think now, and I'm sure he refl- he reflects in his book too, but can you imagine being those people and being so thankful yeah. later on? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the Titanic was built by a company called the White Star Line, and they um, hired a specific ship builder to work on the ship. And they had three, they called them Olympic class ships that they were working on, and um one was called the Olympic, and that one was had its maiden voyage in 1911. The second being the Titanic, and that one was designed to be the largest okay. and most luxurious, although they all had very similar interiors and um, quality to them. And that her maiden voyage would be 1912. And then the third that they had already drafted up plans for and... Um, the final ship of the fleet would be built right after the Titanic. And that one was called the Britannic. So uh, the Belfast shipbuilder Harland and Wolf is who they hired. And one of the main things with designing ships this large that they wanted to pay close attention to 
was safety features. So they had watertight compartments. And these compartments, it basically broke the ship up into, I think, 16 sections. And each section had doors that would automatically close from a remote switch. So in the event that something should puncture the side of the ship um, remotely, they could flip this switch and the watertight compartment door would close, Mm. sealing that off from the rest of the ship. Okay. So if now if these sections were closed off on all six sides, other than that, you know, hydraulic door, then that would work, right? Because the water would just stay in that one compartment. Right. It would be sealed off. Well, with the Titanic, they didn't want to seal off the tops of the compartments because for ease of access to get over the top, they didn't want to have to do stairwells over the tops of these compartments. Instead, they put these doorways through. And that opened up the top that that is literally the opposite of being air watertight they like just completely the whole idea is useless at that point right i think i think the thought was well what are the chances right you know and even if four of those compartments were filled with water Mm -hmm. she could still stay afloat so they just i it's so easy to look back now, yeah, you know, right. but back then I'm sure they were, that was more than most any ships had. Right. So this was, you know, the height of their technology right. and should have worked, you right. know, so it's easy for us to go like, right. Idiots. Well, you know? yeah. Yeah. And I guess like, yeah, unfortunately they had to test it out yeah, um, to know. find out for sure, you know, I so know. Yeah. It's just, oh, so um, the Titanic had several decks. So each layer of a ship is called a deck. And the top deck being um, the boat deck. This is where the lifeboats were housed. And they had, you know, a lot of like walking space um, the for crew and things like that. They didn't, the, uh, the original design had Titanic housing 48 lifeboats now that would have that would have rescued in the event that she sunk every single crew member and every passenger on board it was actually more than enough it it would have carried 4,000 people to safety and titanic was only designed to house less than 3,000 okay so it would have been more than enough um but she was originally designed to house 48 lifeboats when the final design was approved by the company and the investors they felt that that was way too many boats i mean it's unnecessary and it cluttered the deck surface Mm. and they wanted more they wanted visually it to be more streamlined and they wanted more promenade space for passengers to walk up around and enjoy the view and the open air and so they didn't cut that in half they did even less (laughs) so instead of even half that they only had 16 lifeboats Mm. on this ship 
with um, like full lifeboats. They had four additional collapsible lifeboats where they had wood bottoms, but the sides are canvas. And then you kind of like pr- uh, prop the sides up with these ribs that you insert. Okay. Um, so ultimately they had 20 potential lifeboats. Okay. So each lifeboat, the fully wooden ones and the collapsible, were each prepared to carry 64 people. Okay. And each one was equipped with minimal equipment. You know, it would have a little bit of food, water jugs, and then um, a lantern. Okay. But these were kind of tucked away in compartments. And unfortunately, like the night that it happened, very few of the boats were able to actually access this, the the emergency equipment because nobody was trained. Nobody knew where to find it. It's pitch black and um, no one knew how to access that. Yeah. So also on... The boat deck. Um, this housed the captain's and officers' quarters, and so they were up top by the wheelhouse, which was also there. Um, and then that way, you know, they could come out right to their stations. Um, after that, they had a deck. This was the promenade deck. So this is kind of when you see a picture of the Titanic, mm-hmm. where everyone's walking. This is for first-class passengers only. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the main wooden deck of the ship. It's just beautifully crafted Um, they had the smoke rooms they had lounges they had reading and writing rooms and they had the palm court which was this really beautifully done into have you ever been to the palm is it the palm hotel Mm -mm. is that what it's called in new york Mm -mm. no it reminds me of that so yeah if you look up pictures okay i think it's the palm hotel i could be wrong um but I'll find it later because it's okay. really beautiful. Um, underneath that, they had B deck. B deck was also known as the bridge deck, and this had six huge staterooms. These were like, pri- this is the penthouse of the ship, if you mm. will. Huge staterooms with several. It's like a apartment, a sprawling, wealthy person's apartment. These were only for first class passengers. Um, the six staterooms. They also had restaurants. They had um, the third, uh, they had some of the third class passengers before, or is it the, they say fore and aft of the ship. And they had the poop deck. The poop deck is an elevated deck on a ship. And so you kind of have to go up this little staircase to access it. And that was at the stern of the ship. So that's the back half of the ship. And that was the deck space for the third class passengers so they could go directly up those stairs and that was their area to hang out and be outside yeah Yeah, and get some open air and they did mention that the third class uh, so on other ships steerage or third class accommodations sometimes would just be this huge space and there would be a hundred people stacked in there with just like open bunks stacked on top of each other. There was hardly ever enough food because it was the lines would be really long to oh. even get food. Um, facilities, you know, toilets and things like that, really difficult to access. Wow. Whereas on the Titanic, even the third class passengers, 
they, they were only set a maximum of 10 to a room. Okay. And they had multiple different sizes of rooms. So they had two people rooms, four people, six to 10. Okay. And um, they put them fore and aft of the ship so mm-hmm. that only half or so half of the third class passengers had their own, you know, bathrooms, they had their own restaurants, they had food accessible to them. Yeah. So the accommodations were just so much better. Okay. And, which when you like watch the movie, you're like, geez, you know, yeah. it's so small in there. And yeah. it's like, that was a that was huge upgrade. A big luxury uh, yes. at the time. Okay. That's really interesting. Was it, is the Titanic meant to be like a cruise ship or is mm-hmm. it like voyage to yeah. another country whether, yeah just you know. a just a okay. voyage to okay. another country and it should have taken i think between like four to, or i think like six days okay is how long it was supposed to take to get from europe to new york wow was six days okay. which is really quick yeah too less than a week yeah you know that's not bad i know um so after that they had uh sea deck this was known as the shelter deck they had more third class apartments here they had um the third class promenade so a little more open air space for the third class and it had a few more first class cabins and so i don't really know exactly how they sectioned that off because obviously they wouldn't have first class and third class mingling together so they must have been kind of quartered off right. differently with maybe their own um own lifts and things like that yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah um next is the d deck this was the saloon deck and it housed three large public rooms and the first class reception room so the first class reception room is where famously that huge staircase right. is. Right, okay. There's this beautiful wrought iron stained glass dome mm. um, right above the staircase. And then there's just that grand staircase that comes down yeah. into that reception room. Um, here they had some first class and second class accommodations. Um, E deck, also known as the upper deck, had accommodations for all three classes, and a lot of the staff of the ship were berthed there. F deck is kind of in the middle. Um, That was second and third class passengers and had the third class dining saloon, the swimming pool, and Turkish baths which is so cool. If I, I had to like look up exactly what a Turkish bath was and it's just these beautiful ornate mm. luxury spaces kind of like a spa. Yeah. And it's just stunning. Um, and then they also had the kennels because a lot of people would bring, you know, their animals. Right. A G deck. This is the lower deck. This is the last deck that would house passengers. And these were um, the portholes that would sit just above the waterline were for the um, were on the G deck. And this had the post office also mm. and food storage. Below that is is what's called the Orlop decks or like cargo space. And then below that would be, they call it the tank top. I don't really know why, but that's <laughs> called the tank top deck. And that housed the boilers, the engines, the turbines, and all electrical generators hmm. is at the very bottom of the ship. It's a huge boat. Giant. It had... Um, over two miles of deck space what probably like going all the way around yeah but wow isn't that 
that's a lot. I know. That's a lot. I know it's crazy because, like, I, yeah, I've never been on a cruise boat, so I'm just like, I can't imagine. Well, I saw this diagram too of the Titanic versus one of those huge, like, carnival <laughs> cruise yeah. Yeah. things now, and now it looks so dwarfed. Really? You know? But back then, yeah. I mean, and even now, I mean, if we stepped on board anything remotely close, it would just feel massive. Yeah. So, um, passenger spaces were truly designed to be the height of luxury. And the whole thought behind this was to make Titanic feel like it was a floating hotel mm. rather than, and not like the Sheridan Inn. Yeah. You know, we're talking like a high class yeah. experience rather than a ship. Right. And they didn't want, you know, that feeling of, um, that you're just here for travel they wanted you to feel that all your cares were set aside yeah. and you just get to enjoy this journey. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, third class was the best that they had around. And people were really excited with the um, smaller rooms. You had more private space instead of the huge, like, dorm-style yeah. accommodations other ships had with hundreds of people. So that is kind of an idea of the ship. Um, the private rooms the private like uh, apartment penthouse style rooms each had their own like open deck space wow i know it's like um this tiny little area where you have your own railing on the side of the ship looking out over the water oh that's so cool just very like private and i can't imagine the cost yeah (laughs) the night of april 14th 1912 uh, Lawrence Beasley decided to go below deck to his he- cabin and got undressed, climbed into his, said he was, he said he was in the top berth and sat down to just read. The only thing I wish, I wish he had given more information from the days leading up to it. Yeah. I'm like, oh, I wanted to like live on it a little yeah. bit, but, but his book really just covers yeah. the sinking. Um, So after a few hours, he feels an increase in the vibration. And he said, you know, there's a normal amount of like hum Mm -hmm. when you're on board a ship. But this he felt just kind of an increase of vibration. And he determined they were probably just increasing speed, which was ended up to be true later on. Um, Later, he, he hears some people coming back from the late night in the saloon and smoking rooms and then um so he knew he didn't wasn't paying attention to the time but he he was thinking okay it's you know getting pretty late um later he hears people coming back from a late night at the saloons and smoking rooms and then things kind of quiet down again and at that point he feels a sudden heaving sensation which was different from just kind of the hum and the vibration he felt kind of a definite just lurching mm. a little bit but nothing too brazen nothing extreme just a heaving sensation and at that point he felt like his mattress was kind of vibrating more than it had before he didn't feel any sort of like crash or anything like that and so he's thinking of oh, maybe they just increased speed again and the turbines are working you know even harder Uh, But later, he does realize that was the moment that the side of the Titanic had been sliced like a knife Mm. by a massive, massive iceberg. And he 
he describes it um, as like a knife slicing through paper, just cutting right through. He didn't feel any panic. Um, He didn't even have any inkling that something might be wrong. And as the moments passed on, he started to feel the um, Titanic slow down. And he thinks maybe they dropped a propeller blade because that can happen. Um, It's rare, but that can happen. And usually they'll stop the engines to assess and then get Hmm. back on their way. Um, So he puts on a dressing gown over his pajamas and heads into the hallway. And he asks one of the stewards there, why have we stopped? And the steward replies, I don't know, sir, but I don't suppose it's anything much. (laughs) Um, His curiosity, though, gets the better of him. And he tells the steward he's going to go up and investigate and the steward gives him like a queer look of like you know what you're wearing right because this is 1912 i mean there no one's going out in their pjs yeah you know like um he said he he felt very absurd but at the same time he really just wanted to know what what was happening Mm. so he heads up top to the deck and he looks over the side and can see the ocean super far below it's a moonless night Mm. so there's no moon shining on the water to even give any light to what's out there and he doesn't see any hint of icebergs or anything um he meets another man on deck and they exchange experiences and um both of them felt like some there you know when you can just sense that something's off yeah their intuition is telling them this is wrong something's going on here exactly i think that's i think clearly something was off and yeah. his mind and he, like you said his intuition and both these men just knew it so they see some men playing cards in a saloon hmm. and they these men had been clearly topside when this happened so they went and asked them like if they noticed anything and they said that they just passed by a huge 90 foot tall iceberg oh 90 feet i don't even know how tall the side of the titanic is but this iceberg was looming wow 90 feet above the water and then they passed it and they just resumed playing their cards they didn't think anything of it um other than you know a couple they heard a couple crew members saying that they need to check something out so they're thinking maybe they scraped some paint off of you know they're joking and like oh you know the captain probably just wants to check and make sure no paint is scraped off and kind of making fun of you know the captain's yeah. love for the ship yeah and then one of the men with a glass of whiskey says just run along the deck and see if any ice has come on board i would like some for this and re- referring to his whiskey glass huh. and unbeknownst to them though on the um, bow of the ship there was ice that had littered all over the deck wow um because when it hit the iceberg chunks of it did fall off so uh lawrence heads back to his cabin after he kind of you know assesses everything there's nothing he can do nobody's in a panic nobody there's nobody rushing around and he doesn't feel that there's anything to really be fearful of Hmm. after he goes back down he starts reading again and soon he starts to hear more and more voices in the hallway. Hmm. And that's when he feels like, okay, something's, you know, something's happening. So he gets more fully dressed this time because it's 
freezing. Right. I mean, if they're in the middle of the Atlantic, this is mid-April, and they're passing icebergs. The water is freezing. (laughs) (laughs) So ice cold water and, you know, just the air itself. Um, He said there really wasn't any wind. Mm -hmm. And the wind from the Titanic itself, you know, as it's moving forward, you're going to get that wind blowing against you. He said there really, it was just so calm Mm -hmm. that it was almost like later on, it felt really eerie. In the moment, he was, you know, it it almost added to the calm behaviors of everybody on board. Right. And nobody was panicking partially, I think, because of that, because it was just, you know, they felt like they were on a rock in the middle of the ocean. They're not on a floating vessel that could sink, you know, they felt very secure. Yeah. So when he got to the top the second time, he notices a man starting to uncover one of the lifeboats. and But nobody else it really notices this man. Nobody is showing any signs of concern. And which, I'm sorry, but if it were me... <laughs> I'd be like, what are you doing there, bud? <laughs> right? Do we need the lifeboats, bud? Yeah, that's... Um... Like, why are you uncovering that? Um, sir? And I think they... He, he says over and over again that just everyone on board fully believed there was no danger. And he keeps repeating that kind of throughout his tale. And he said, even the people that um, went down with the ship that were rescued from the water, he ended up like interviewing some of their tales too. And he has a whole section in his book that is from the viewpoint of someone that was on board the ship. Wow. And um, they said the same thing until it's obviously really sinking. Everyone was pretty calm and just there was no panic. Wow. So, Isn't that interesting? So, that is so interesting. I wonder, it's, like, like, it's like the opposite of mass hysteria. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's very strange. Like, is that like just the power of suggestion or maybe because like it's such a big ship so you can't feel too much of it because or you don't want to look like an idiot later right. on like yeah. oh my gosh yeah were, like, that freaking person's out. freaking out yeah yeah hmm. how interesting yeah it's very very interesting so um he returns one last time to his cabin because he feels like he's he he wants to put on like an under layer of clothing as he starts to realize they might you know he wanted to stay topside and yeah. figure out what's going on so um he when he's down there is when the alert goes out to get on your life belts and still no one's panicking huh. but every room was equipped with a a life belt we call them life jackets in the u.s but i think you know they call them life belts and um every room was equipped with a life belt for every single person and he said it was strange because he had actually his was sitting on his bed Mm. because he had gotten he had like moved it out of the way to put something else away and never put it back and he later recalls it being kind of like a um weird premonition right yeah he's like had it prepared he puts his life belt on and there was another he goes out into the hallway and there was this young woman and he could see the fear in her eyes and she like clutches his arm and she's like I can't find my life belt and so he takes her back to her room Mm -hmm. but he said even though like he could tell she was terrified I mean she was like grabbing his arm but still she's just standing tall upright as composed as she can be and 
I wonder, like what you said, the power of suggestion, like everyone's trying to be just calm, but um, you could he could tell that she was quite fearful. Mm. After he helps her find her life jacket, people start really gathering up on deck, him being one of them. Some people are really well clad. You know, they've got a couple coats on, scarves, yeah. things like that. Others are just hastily dressed or just in their suits or mm-hmm. ball gowns and just you know because it's late at night i mean it this happened at eleven forty, and people are still you know out um you know they would eat dinner late back then with all the different courses and right. things like that yeah so often they would you know sup late and then retire late into the evening and uh clearly these people didn't think they would be up top long right you know they're not thinking there's danger they're just like oh let's just get you know like like an emergency yeah Yeah. just like a little drill or something yeah so even with the calm demeanor of everyone there were a couple signs that something was amiss and not everyone was paying much attention to this i think when people kind of convince themselves that the titanic can't sink Mm. And there's no danger. They're not looking for these things. But Lawrence Beasley was because he felt there was something wrong. One of the signs was there was a roar and hiss of escaping steam Mm. coming from the boilers. And it was coming out of the top of one of the funnels. And it wasn't the normal. I mean, the engines had stopped. So that shouldn't be happening. Right. Um, This was a steam engine. So they had or the a steam powered ship so they had these huge boiler rooms and they would shovel coal into these furnaces and um which would create the steam and then that's how the engines would operate well when the engines were shut off there shouldn't be steam continuing right. to escape if those weren't running so that was concerning to him um the noise started to just get louder and louder and but you know, he, he mentions, you know, like when a um, train, like a steam engine, is sitting, resting, and like building up to go again, how sometimes it'll like, and like all the steam will come out. A lot of people thought that's just what was happening, but he had, I guess, more knowledge and knew that this was wrong. Right. Um. Then they hear a shout that all women and children needed to get down to the deck below. Mm-hmm. And that's where they would load the lifeboats from. And then he said, all men stand back from the boats. So many times there would be women that would not want to leave their husbands and uh, either were persuaded to or like pulled from their husbands to get wow. loaded into these lifeboats. And uh, he doesn't really talk about the third class and a lot of the second class passengers not being let up onto the deck to be loaded but that happened too so there was a lot of third class passengers that they wouldn't open the gates they would like close the gates off to the passages to get to the deck until like first class passengers were loaded that is messed up right? there's oh nothing in this world that can make that seem reasonable you know no just because you had a few there more was dollars. there was uh, he said that he did see um there was this these two women that were second class passengers that had walked over and were 
going to try to get onto the boats. And they were told by the steward, oh, your boats are over on the other side. God. And sent them away. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's like, these are human lives. Yeah. I don't... And they know at this point that there's, like, an emergency. Otherwise, right. they're not, you know, like. Yes. Wow. So, um, slowly, everyone started to feel an urgency. And people started getting into the boats more quickly. Um, but also, they weren't filling them all the way. And he he didn't wasn't aware of this until later. Mm. Because the boat he ended up, ends up in was full. Mm. But, um, you know, people are getting into these boats and they're being lowered. So how the boats are lowered, there's these things, these things called divots. And they swing out into an outward, like they face inward um, when the boat is on ship when it's ready to be lowered they rotate outwards and then that's how they lower the boat over the side and it's these like pulleys and mm. rope systems and so um he they had lowered the boats to the b deck and that's where they were loading all the passengers on and then it still requires people up top mm. operating the rope pulley system until it reaches the water and then where the ropes are attached to the ship, there's these pins that you pull out mm. and it releases the boat from the ropes and then it's free to row away. Well, they had never, tr- only some of the crew had been trained on even how to operate th- this pulley system. And I mean, if you imagine there's a rope on each side of one of these boats, yeah. you have to lower it at the exact same right. speed yeah. and at the exact same time. And the crew that had originally been trained on it before they even left Europe, you know, they went to several ports right. to pick up new passengers. Yeah. Well, sometimes crew would only, and this is just in, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This was very normal for any sort of ship worker, but they would work from this port to this port, right. and then they might stay at that port for a while, work on a different ship from that port to that port. And so some of the crew that originally was trained on it, well, by the time they ended up actually leaving Europe, they had different, some different crew members even. Wow. So there was very few people aboard the Titanic that actually knew how to operate these. And no one was assigned to a specific boat to operate wow. in the event that something should happen. Yeah. And so it was just whoever was around to try to figure it out for themselves. Wow. So it's really incredible because ev- all 16 boats do make it to the water. Wow. And don't get sucked down, which is really incredible yeah. considering the lack of... training and the lack of organization yeah so um he's standing up on a deck still and he hears this sudden explosion and the sky is lit up with what we call flares but like a rocket yeah so it looks you know like a firework and it slowly um, explodes and is sinking down to the water and after the third rocket was deployed the gravity of the situation really starts to set in Mm. um something i i failed to mention earlier when he went back down to get right before they announced to get your life vests on 
he mentions he was like coming down these steps and he could definitely feel a forward tilt Mm. that wasn't there before right like it felt it was an unnatural you know when the ground's just uneven and you know it's it's like an unnatural tilt yeah and that was you know again for him something telling him there's something something very wrong wow somehow during kind of this as it starts to get a little more chaotic um there was a report mentioned that men were supposed to load on the opposite side of the ship okay which wasn't true right (laughs) they don't really know i mean no matter what it was supposed to be women and children first and that was just standard for the time okay um but all the men like this rumor just starts circulating I mean, within minutes, and all the men flock to the other side of the ship. But he and only two other men stayed because they, uh, he doesn't, he said he has no idea why he stayed, but he just stayed. And he can, he's convinced later on that like, that was what saved him was probably for whatever reason, just staying. Yeah. That's incredible. I know. So while he's standing there, he sees um, one of the band members. So, you know, they would have this live band playing beautiful music during dinner parties and um, in the saloon and things like that. And it's the cello player and he's walking past dragging his cello. And he said this was around 12 a.m. And then he hears the band. He can see the band kind of collecting on deck and they start playing and they play until past 2 a.m so they can hear the playing no it's like doesn't sound real yeah you know well you have to imagine it's like i don't know this this thing that you like wasn't supposed to happen nobody ever was thinking it you know usually people today get on a plane they're kind of worried it's going to crash or Mm -hmm. something but nobody was imagining that would be the case and you know they're to be a musician professionally you really mm-hmm. love your your craft so you're just carrying around your instrument you're like i guess i don't know like, even just let's just play you're thinking that i mean it was all men yeah and maybe they're just thinking there's no way they're going to be able to yeah yeah especially the this rumor of like oh go to the other side of the ship like that's so illogical like that, why would that be why would it matter where you load it up you know and that's just really interesting. I know. That's it's really a, strange. Yeah. So um, he recalls watching them play and listening to them play music. This being the best act of bravery that he witnessed that mm-hmm. night because it just helped the people as a whole. Yeah. You know, and he just felt like it was so selfless. And yeah. so I was going to say they must have had such a calming, you know, because mm-hmm. if there's music shortly, yes, it's will be OK. Wow. So he uh, hears the steward at the lifeboat down below him shout, any more ladies? And he looked uh, down and saw the guy, you know, looking around the B deck for any more women and children. And then he sees Lawrence peering over the edge and he says, any more ladies on your deck, sir? Lawrence replies, no. And the man says, then you'd better jump. And... So he doesn't waste any time and he jumps over the railing. He down like an entire story. Oh my god. Into the boat. Into the boat? Mm-hmm. That's terrifying. I know. Especially like, for the people in the boat, man. Oh god, what or if you what missed? if you like caught your shoe? 
hit your head clump right on the right on the uh, rail <laughs> so bad. yeah that's pretty but, eerie. um yeah so he he gets into it this ends up being uh boat 13 during that time two more women were were found and they it's i don't really understand why maybe the stewards started panicking but they literally just shoved them over the railing into the boat what the i don't know it just sounds so like get okay. in the boat lady i know i'd be like i don't know you want to get in the boat okay i'm getting in the boat goodbye yeah, they just, like, shoved in. okay um and then the man shouts lower away and they start lowering lifeboat 13 a man and his wife and their baby barely make it on board so mm-hmm. they like rush up and their boat is practically i mean it's like standing room only in this boat at this point but they hand the baby down to someone and then the the man and the woman were able to like wow they had to kind of jump down in yeah and made it safely wow they keep lowering the boat one side he says one side would tilt and it was terrifying because at any point it felt like the bottom of this boat would just crack open and spill them all into the water and like you could hear it groaning and then like one side would tilt down because that rope was going faster and then they'd lower the other side and Mm. it would just kind of slowly back and forth make its way down he said he had great gratitude for the sailors that stayed up top to man the ropes because they were manning the ropes of this boat knowing they weren't going to be on board it. Yeah. And when you look at the a picture of the Titanic and you see how far the water would be from those decks. I mean, they were dozens of feet right away from yeah. the water. Yeah. I, I'm going to look it up, actually. Well, really yeah, I, I was just thinking about, yeah, the people who stayed to do the lowering. That's because... Um, once the boat's lowered the ropes ropes cut you're not going to be able to get in a boat like so the fact that i know you would remain and i don't know that's pretty impressive it's very sacrificial yeah. you know because even the the only ones left on board were the collapsible the collapsible yeah boats which as we'll discover were not easy to put yeah. together yeah so from the base of the keel to the top of the bridge was 104 feet whoa but that would be so probably at like 70 feet that's so scary imagine being at the whim of some untrained sailor being lowered in a ship in the middle of the night in the pitch blackness Mm. 70 feet down to the water that's scary oof that that in itself is scary you know let alone everything else that happens yeah so they get down, they finally feel the bottom of the lifeboat touch the water. And at this point is when you pull those pins to release from the ropes. Well, no one can find these pins. Mm-hmm. And because the Titanic is slowly, slowly sinking, there's, and there's an exhaust on the side of the ship that water is just pouring out of, but it's a lot of water. Mm-hmm. And it's like pushing, you know, it like wants to kind of suck. Right there's like a suction happening right there and the boat is drifting closer and closer to that because it's can't get away it's attached to the ship oh ooh, that just made me think of what if you could never release the boat and it got sucked under with the ship that's so scary so they can't find these pins 
and they're in the water now, but now they're drifting yeah. a little bit. They're stuck on the rope still, but kind of drifting forward. And they end up directly under lifeboat 15, which is being lowered very rapidly. Oh. And you imagine the weight of the lifeboat plus 40 plus humans. Yeah. And it's being lowered really quickly. And they start shouting lifeboat 13 the one that Lawrence Beasley's in they're shouting up and like stop stop um, because they can't get out from yeah. under it and the um, sailors up top that are lowering the ropes don't hear them right I mean they're 70 feet above yeah and they keep lowering it and so a couple of men start just cutting mm. their ropes free and he said it got it was really scary because it got to where they reached up and they put their hands on the boat and tried to push themselves aside off of lifeboat 15. That's terrifying. And they cut the ropes and pushed out from under it right as lifeboat 15 lands in the water. Oh my god! They almost got crushed to death. That is insane. Oh man. (laughs) I know. It's like so... It's ma- makes my heart palpitate just thinking about it. Yeah, it's so that's, stressful. that's terrifying. That's so scary. And then, so and it's probably like mostly a bunch of women in the boat too. Mm-hmm. And you know, not that women aren't capable, but maybe probably at this time. <laughs> they well, they have much, they right. You know, yeah. Trainings on no, life and they, they weren't. You and, know, they would do like minimal exercise, but you know, strength was for right. men. Yeah, and you know, they weren't skilled at rowing yeah and things like that okay so now they're in the water and they're rowing as quickly as they can away from the titanic because their fear would be is one of two things there's either going to be a major explosion Mm. when like the water which a lot of the people in his boat this is what they were discussing he wasn't afraid of that because he or sorry I didn't explain the explosion when the water rushes in and hits those boilers right. that there would be a huge explosion. Okay. But he knew water had already reached the boilers because of that steam that was coming out of that funnel. Right. So he knew there wasn't going to be this huge buildup of pressure and an explosion. But the, his main concern was the suction caused by the ship's sinking. Mm. Nobody imagined that it would sink the way it did mm. because like you said, you would imagine it just going down pretty evenly, you know, maybe yeah. a little bit tilted, right. but the whole thing's going to sink. Um, as we all know, she famously cracks in half. But before that happens, um, he says, you know, they're a distance from the Titanic now. And this is a quote from his book. He says, we gazed broadside from the sea on the Titanic. She was absolutely still. Indeed, from the first, it seemed as if the blow from the iceberg had taken all the courage out of her, and she had just come quietly to rest and was settling down without an effort to save herself, without a murmur of protest against such a foul blow. From the first, what must have impressed all was the stillness about her and the slow, insensible way she sank lower and lower into the sea. Mm. And that image of just this massive ship, slow, not even bobbing, just this slow decline. Yeah. Um, To further his quote, he says, The mere bulk of the ship, as viewed from the sea below, was an awe-inspiring sight. 
Imagine a ship nearly a sixth of a mile long, 75 feet high to the top decks, with four enormous funnels above the decks, with hundreds of portholes, saloons, and other rooms brilliant with light. He watched as the parallel rows of portholes, so normally those portholes would be perfectly parallel, you know, row upon row upon row, and parallel with the water. Right. Um, he said the it was such a jarring image to see them coming in at such a harsh angle mm. into the water when they should have just been straight. Right. And that was, the whole ship was still lighted. Okay. So the um, electric generators were still operating and the whole ship was still a light, which is so weird to think about, you yeah. know, as she's going down, it's just right lit. Still. Yeah. The man who cut the ropes, uh, one of the men that cut the ropes on um, his boat, he was one of the stokers. So a stoker is somebody that you're, it's very literal term, you're stoking the fires. So he would scoop the coal and shove it into, um, into the flames. And his account was, uh, this is, um, oh, this would just be. They re, they show this scene really well mm. in the movie, and um, shout out to James Cameron because after reading this man's story and his in-person account of surviving the Titanic, the attention to detail to all these different stories he did his research. Yeah, I mean we all know he did his research, right. but I was just thoroughly impressed that not only visually. Did he do the Titanic justice, but storyline wise yeah. and experience wise with all these different s- stories, it's very accurate. So um, this man was a stoker. So he was um, his shift was almost over and he was warming a bowl of soup hmm. on top of one of the hot pieces of machinery, Okay, which I like I'm just imagining it. I'm like, oh, that's that's just adorable. You know, yeah. it's just like, ah, I'm almost done. I'm going to yeah. start warming my dinner now. Yeah. And um. Suddenly, he felt the ship lurch, and he was, like, before he even knew what was happening, he was swept off his feet with water gushing in. Oh, my gosh. And he barely made it. He, like, like, gets up to his feet amidst this flooding of water, Mm. and the watertight door is already lowering. (gasps) And he runs and dives through right as it cuts down he says it cut down like a knife right behind his feet oh my gosh that would be so scary to experience that and like good on him for having the you know just that gut yeah just like like, go diving Mm -hmm. you know and i can't imagine everyone made it through you know that's the whole yeah when you're describing these air watertight rooms like good luck to everybody in there you know know. that's really so um, lifeboat 13 are is afloat at sea and they realize the ship's not going to be afloat much longer yeah. at all. Um, they didn't want to get sucked under. They rode as far away as they could. Mm. And uh, Lawrence Beasley estimates that it was probably about 2.15 a.m. Um, when their lifeboat was a little over maybe a mile away from the ship. And they saw the water creep up the captain's bridge. So she's very nose in at this point. Many in the boat looked away or covered their faces because they just 
couldn't bear yeah. to watch. But um, he just couldn't take his eyes away. Soon, the entire Titanic was vertical wow. with her propellers suspended in the air. And she just sat there like that. Didn't sink any lower. She just sat there suspended in the air. And then her lights just went out all of a sudden. And then, I know it's so That would be so scary. And then they flickered back on one last time, and then they went out all together. And so, gosh, it's just so terrifying to now, and there's no moon. Like, now it's just starlight. Yeah. And no one can find their little lanterns in the boats. So there's just no light at all. Um, Then they hear a major crashing and groaning and crunching sound. And he describes it sounding as if machinery had broken free Mm. and like just fell through the ship, you know, fell through walls of the ship. But more likely, this is the sound of the Titanic breaking in half and then going vertical once again. Wow. And, you know, at this point, they didn't not everybody knew that that's what was well you were saying like the women at the beginning you were saying that they thought it was women just being hysterical just being hysterical like (laughs) you know as we are yeah 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 um but later you know they realized this is the sound of the ship ripping in two wow they just the lights had gone out so they right unless you were in a lifeboat that was closer yeah you wouldn't have been able to really see yeah Oof, that's terrifying. Well, and there's still people on the boat this time, right? Yes. So I have to imagine, did oh. any of those people make it off the boat, I wonder? They must have. Any that were, like, clinging to like, it? Like, they were on the boat still? Well, they pull some people from the water. Right, yeah. But I don't know how many were. So there's at least one person, though, that was like, it was like this, that and was... then away. Like, oh, you know oh several, yeah. several. And, yeah. you know, not every... The lifeboats, depending on... Oh, so like I was saying with those collapsible right. ones, one of them flooded before they could even flip it over. Gosh. The other one, they couldn't flip over at all. Oh. And so only two, they were successfully able to deploy. Yeah. And so I know some people were clinging to the top of right. one of the pers- people rescued was clinging to the top of one of these lifeboats. Right. And so they, for certain, watched right. it. They knew exactly what had happened. Yeah. Wow. And it's so massive. Yeah. I mean, it would be like a watching a skyscraper crack in half. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So slowly, the only way he says that they can make out where the Titanic is, is that there was just a blackness where there was no stars. And they knew that that's Whoa. where she was at. And it's about five minutes. It just bobbed wow. vertically and then slowly just disappeared straight down. That's so surreal. I know. At this point, they're suddenly alone on the ocean. And he said, this was the worst part of the entire experience. Because as the ship sank and all the sound that went with her, you could start to hear just the screams of people in the water. Oh, no. That's really sad. It's so sad. Hundreds of of people struggling in the water Mm. and just splashing and screaming. And, um, he, he is so frustrated for many reasons, but 
He said many of the crew had to have known there was not enough lifeboats. Yeah. But passengers had no idea. Ugh, they trusted in the safety. They trusted in right. what they'd heard. Yeah. And, um, you know, all these people are now just left in the water. There, his boat had 60 plus people in it. Right. So they were too full to capacity. Right. And they knew they couldn't go back or they would be swamped. Right. And they were worried, I guess I should say, that they would be swamped by people trying, trying to, to get yeah. in from the water. And that's, if you see on lifeboats, there's the rope that swoops all the way around it. Mm-hmm. That's so people can grab on right. and try to hoist themselves up. Um, at this point, he still thinks that every lifeboat is full. Right. He, at this point, they have no idea there's not enough lifeboats. You know, they're thinking... Well, we can't go back because ours is full, but there clearly must be many others out there. Yeah. But they start to realize that there's something terribly wrong when these screams and cries start to die one by one. You know, it gets a little quieter, a little quieter until finally there's just silence. Oh, my gosh. That is chilling. It's very chilling. And it's so dark, so you can't see a thing. I know. Hmm. So they're really worried at this point too that any ship coming to rescue them they figured a ship would likely come because one of the guys in there in his boat um had overheard crew members talking about um you know sos signals that had been sent out distress calls and but ships were just very far away and so they were thinking okay they'll likely be rescued by like the next day afternoon right and they were worried that they wouldn't be seen Mm. you know and already ships are having to dodge ice in this area um what if they drift too far away from all the other boats so they tried to like follow the sound of some of the other boats some of the boats were able to band together and rope themselves together but um, they d- weren't able to, like, find any other boats super close by. And it wasn't until dawn that they actually started to see um, a ship coming their way. And he, he mentions, like, so many times they had these false hopes. Mm. because but And it would just turn out to be a star on the horizon that they thought was a right. ship's light. Yeah. And sure enough, though, around 4 or 5 a.m., um, the stoker who had been the you know guy who had cut the ropes sits straight up and he said like they all heard this sound and he's like that was a cannon Mm. like that is a ship and it was closer than they thought and they finally see a rocket shoot up from the carpathia and that's the ship that ultimately rescues everyone from the water Um, some of the lifeboats had to paddle directly through the wreckage of the titanic to get to the carpathia Mm. and i that just breaks my heart and one boat was able to put their passengers off onto another boat because they weren't nearly full to capacity and that boat went back to try to rescue people from the water Mm. and only a handful of people were rescued from the water and everyone else was very clearly dead gosh that's really sad. I know. People just clinging to debris, bobbing up and down in the water because they have their life vests on. Just, wow. they all died of exposure. Yeah. Wow. 
I went to this Titanic exhibit when I was a kid up in Seattle, mm. and they had this like chunk of ice iceberg. I don't know if it was a real iceberg or just a huge chunk of ice, but it was massive. And you were supposed to put your hand on it and see how long you could hold your hand on this piece of ice. And you can't for very long because it's, yeah. I mean, it's painful and it's right. so cold. And it said that the waters that night were colder than that iceberg. Oh. And that was just, ugh. That's really sad. I know. Um, as they were being rescued by the Carpathia, Lawrence heard the captain of the Carpathia say that one of those lifeboats wouldn't have lasted another hour if they hadn't rescued them. Oh, my god! Because I think it had taken on, I don't know if it was one of the collapsible boats or right. what, but it had taken on water. Um, one of his fellow boatmates said, I shall never say the number 13 is an unlucky number. Boat 13 is the best friend we ever had. Oh, I know. So later is when he discovered his lifeboat was the only one that had been filled to capacity. On average, the other lifeboats were filled with between 30 to 40 people. Oh my and they were designed for 64. 706 people survived. 1,517 people perished. Wow. That's really sad. I know. That is the story of Lawrence Beasley and his survival of the wreck of the Titanic. He, the, his book is really well written and he goes on the whole second half of the book. He talks about all these different safety measures that he and a lot of the other surviving passengers pushed to get put in place. Right. And he really did a lot to reach out and try to, you know, give talks and help improve some of these things like the airtight or watertight compartments and then just the lack of lifeboats, the lack of training, Yeah, you know, people just trying to push to the limit in areas they shouldn't and, you know, telling more, um, training more captains on the risks of the ice field, what time of year, you know, it, they should have gone farther south. Like there's all sorts of things that really could have prevented it. And um, so, you know, he went on to spend a lot of time, tr- hopefully helping improve that, which clearly things have improved. Right. Now. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. I know. Just wow. Uh, I would, I just can't imagine. I mean, you would be haunted mentally by those images yeah. and those sounds the rest yeah. of your life. You'd never forget it, you know? You'd never forget it. And just the people that they would... The people that they wouldn't even let attempt to save themselves. Right. You know? Yeah. It's sad. That's so sad. That is just so many people lost, you know? I know. I can't even imagine. And that is the story. That's Lawrence Beasley. That's Lawrence Beasley. Lawrence Beasley. Thanks for listening, and you can find us on Instagram, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Google, the one, whatever Google is. Google stuff. Google the podcast. Google. Google. Yes. We're out there. We're out there, man. Yeah. We're everywhere, we're everywhere. out there. And if you would like to become a supporter of the podcast, mm-hmm. 
go to patreon.com and we have several different support options we would love your support and we like to give back to you so we've got fun bonus episodes Mm -hmm. and other perks for becoming a friend to the pod that's right but mainly just your listening support is love enough for us that's right tell your friends (laughs) yes tell your friends all All right. right see you next week bye